Welcome to another episode of Teachers in the Dungeon. Join hosts Tom and Dan as they break down the campaigns they create and play, sharing memorable successes and unforgettable failures of players and the DM, as well as discussing a variety of D&D-related topics. So, grab your dice and grab some fun. It's time for Teachers in the Dungeon. Yo, ho, ho, it's time to go. Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom with Dan, and we are the Teachers in the Dungeon. We're so happy you've joined us today, and thank you for your support. Be sure to let us know what you think about today's show. Our contact information and social media are in the show notes. Okay, let's delve into the dungeon. Welcome, everybody, to A Random Encounter with Teachers in the Dungeon. My name is Dan Ream, here with uh, Tom Gross. Hello. I chose a topic this week, so I'm going to be the one that, that announces <laughs> it. And I want to talk about things I hate about Dungeons and Dragons. Ouch. <laughs> so, yes, let, let all of, of the anger fall directly on me rather than, <laughs> than Tom. For this one, huh? I'm trying to think what I hate about it. It's hard to say that when you when you have so much love for something like Dungeons and Dragons to use the word hate. I hate think I love hate is not the opposite of love. Indifference is. <laughs> so, ooh, we're gonna get philosophical here. <laughs> All right, let me put on my uh, what my uh, sage hat here. Uh, but okay, I'm gonna go with things I don't like because I don't know. Maybe through this conversation, I'll find things that I hate about it. But definitely, there are things that I'm frustrated with uh, when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. So, I'm dying to know what your first thing you hate about Dungeons and Dragons I'm gonna, is. I'm gonna pick the low hanging fruit here. I hate the fact that we don't use the D12 enough. Oh. I buy these beautiful sets of dice. I love that D12. Mm-hmm. It is it is is just begging to be rolled. And really, unless you're a barbarian, I don't know that you ever use it. I'm trying to think. I always wish that when I got new hit points at a level, I could roll the D12. Well, that yeah, that'd be nice too. <laughs> that's where I that's where I always wish I could use the D12. And to a lesser hmm. extent, I would say the D10. The D10 gets used a little bit more in a, several different weapons, but the the D12 is almost never used. Even in spells, I, I'm not sure there's that many that use it. And I suppose I could see I. This, this, I, I, th- I think I've seen the gap in the market here. We need to develop a homebrew spell that has just in its very nature potential to do almost nothing or be devastating. Oh, then rolling d12s would really, yeah, would really be perfect. So for that. I'm, I wish I had a math person here because I, I mean, maybe you have a little bit of math background. This would be a Marcus Kugler question, <laughs> um, and maybe some of you, uh, you know, out uh, in your cars or in. Uh, in your house right now would be would know this right off the top but there there are lots of times though where we roll 2d6 and i often wonder i mean i okay so 2d6 means you won't get a one yes yes i i think i i know enough that a 2d6 
you're you you have a very great possibility of rolling like a six seven eight and so what would the average for a one one d twelve be it would only be so six seven eight out of twelve that just you'd have like a twenty five percent chance of rolling that whereas I think it's probably forty percent or more with Okay. 2d6. So a 2d6 is a higher chance of a higher roll than a 1d12. It, it, it's more of a curve. Okay. Okay. A, a d12, you've got equal chance of rolling anything, anything from 1 through a 12. 2d6, you you don't oh, have much chance because of the two. probability. With the, yes. Yes. Okay. But like you could get a 7 a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Huh. I'm just trying to think of ways to incorporate a 1d12 into the game a little bit more because I'm with you. The other dice I would say uh, that is underutilized, and you'll correct me, I'm sure, is or someone will, is uh, is the 1d4. I hardly ever now as a monk I will roll that because that's my that's my martial arts damage, but I feel it. like there are more places to use a 1d4 as well. That that I think I feel like having DM'd several different campaigns that started at first level i feel like that's when you see it okay cool yeah, that makes sense a- anything that's going to use a dagger will have the 1d4 mm-hmm. and so i think that's and and healing potions it's okay. there at first oh, yeah okay but, but yeah, as you th- go on you see that less and less okay that makes sense but yeah the 1d12 i'm with you you know throw us a bone more... and let us let us let us roll that more often and maybe it comes to us as home brewers yeah yeah, I didn't really. I, again, I, I <laughs> thoughts occur as I speak, which is not necessarily a safe thing. And that's what occurred to me is you need some sort of a spell that has a high, like built into it. The flavor of it is that it would, it could fizzle, mm-hmm. or it could, you know, right? Like call it old fireworks spell or something yeah. like that, where sure. <laughs> you light it, and maybe nothing happens, or there's <laughs> a massive explosion because something happened sure. to the chemical. Sure. Composition. You know, I'm thinking of like the educational benefits of this conversation we've just been having. Like, it'd be cool to have like some kind of a, a a math math conversation about Dungeons and Dragons and dice rolling, and why certain dice are used in the ways they are. Uh, when you have other alternatives, like for example, the two d six versus the one d twelve. That's you know. something to add. I'm sorry, we're doing the, we're doing planning right here oh, in front good. of folks. I like it. But that's something to add for when we do our summer D&D camp for your game club. Ooh, we should I have like a session that. about homebrewing and what dice to use and why. Excellent. I like that. So 1D12. We're yep. going to send you some love. So so get those ready. So uh, hopefully Tom you relaxed a little bit here that when I said hate this was something that we could <laughs> it was Well, you know what? What I always find that I love about Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so I know we're on a we're on a show about what we hate, but I'm going to say that just because we hate it doesn't mean we can't change it because of the nature of the openness of Dungeons and Dragons. One of the first things we always talk about with kids when we when we sit them down to play Dungeons and Dragons is that there are certain table rules and table rules oftentimes correct the things that I don't like about the game. Right. And actually that's my first one okay. that I want to talk about and that is in the player's handbook, 5th edition player's handbook, on page 189, when it talks about the long rest, it talks about healing and the long rest. And this is what it says. At the end of a long rest, a character regains all lost hit points. 
that does not set well with me. <laughs> now, I do believe that there's some interpretation here. I'm going to keep reading, and I need someone to explain to me. Hopefully you can I do this. I think I know where you're going because I have no idea what this means either. The character also regains spent hit dice up to a number of dice equal to half of the character's total number of them, minimum of one die. For example, if a character has eight hit die, or I'm sorry, eight hit dice, he or she can regain four spent hit dice upon finishing a long rest. What does that mean? That's, I'm wondering, and, and yes, maybe people who, maybe we should have done our homework and done some research ourselves, but we're going to well, yeah, lean I just, on listeners here, because that, that, that seems to indicate that, I mean, who cares if you get hit dice back if you get all your hit points back at the end of a long rest anyway? And so are they referring to, like, I'm trying to think when you get a drain... Do you lose hit dice? No. It might or be. It's... I, I was wondering if you you've, you can use those hit dice in a short rest. But okay. the short rest, I think the rules say you just get your con. A character can spend one or more. This is short rest. Oh. Um, a character can spend one or more hit dice at the end of a short rest up to the character's. Oh, that says spend. Yeah, so that's, where, that's what we're doing here is the hit. This is... This is something that in your table rules we've just written out. Yes, we've completely taken this out. Because um, I, I don't know, I'm just going off of that first line in the second paragraph of long rest. At the end of a long rest, a character regains all lost hit points. I will never forget when I read that back in 2017 or 2016, whenever, whenever I first got the player's handbook, and I thought, that's crazy. That's like, to me, that was like video game healing, yeah, you know, yes. where you go to your safe spot and it just like regenerates you and now you're all buffing. But I'm like, reality of it is, if I get a sword gash in my arm that takes eight hit points of damage, that's a massive wound. And yeah, I might I might get, you know, I will heal overnight. We all do. But it's not going to be gone. I'm not going to wake up in the morning and nope, no bandage there. So even though this is a fantasy role-playing game we still do need some basis in reality i do physics now physiological reality yeah and so our table rule is and this is how i fix it but i mean i would just like to see it taken out or modified and not that ours is the best but i like the mechanics that we came up with and i think i i had it and i ran it by you and we liked it and so we went with it and it's this during a short rest um, you gain your constitution bonus back in hit points. During a long rest, you can roll your hit die plus your constitution bonus as healing, as restful healing. And then everything after that has to be either some kind of magical, a potion, you know, some, or, or something like that. Um, and I mean, you know, like the Borum has that uh, chef feat, and so he can give you things, food that gives you magical healing. You know, but it can't. The rest cannot. It can heal you back max if you don't have as much damage as right. you know. But but this whole thing where like, oh, I, I lost fifty hit points. I'm just thinking like, when you're 15th, 16th level, and you're you potentially could lose 75 hit points and still be alive, and you're gonna rest and and recover 75 hit points. Uh, that not in my game. It seems <laughs> not at <like>, my table. <laughs> because there is the option of having a healer there that will have healing left that can do that for you. And that encourages the play of those characters too. You know, we want to have a paladin or we want to have a druid or a, a cleric or we want to have to deal with the problem of 
does anybody have any healing potions left? <laughs> you know, right. I, I, so I think it, it kind of brings, it keeps that sort of like thought process in the player's mind that we, we need to have a healer or some way to heal ourselves. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's valid. And I enjoy as a player that changes how you, you know, you're, I don't want to say action economy and that's not the right word, but how you plan your adventure, Yeah. you know, because you can't just, Doodly doodly do. I'm healed. <laughs> right, doesn't. exactly. So no, I would love some feedback on two things. Number one, what do you think of that table rule? And second, what do you make of the second half of that second paragraph in long rest? The character also regains spent hit dice up to a number of dice equal to half the character's total number of them. Because I have I don't understand that. And it probably is very simple, but it doesn't register in my head. So what's the next thing that you hate about Dungeons & Dragons? All right. Well, the, the transition, since you opened the door here, Paladins. The class I Paladin. The class Paladin. Okay. And I am, I am yes, I'm going to ruffle some feathers with that one. Tag Dan in your, in your grief. <laughs> yes. So, yes, not, not Tom. And I, I do need to emphasize this is not players. Right. And this is not... You know, if you if you choose a paladin again, I'm being completely irrational here. I'm just just sort of saying this is my opinion. I I feel like paladin as a class is terrifically overpowered. Okay, fair enough. I feel like they get a little bit of everybody's special gifts, almost everybody's. And and again, this is this is my own personal bias coming in. My very favorite character to, or class to play so far has to be fighter a battle master fighter okay and yet it seems like a fighter is really not necessary if you have a paladin because paladin can already do all the cool things fighters can and then some with their smites they're just yeah doing massive damage over and over and over again and they have so many spell slots that they, it's they don't really have to economize i don't feel like mm -hmm. and then on top of that even from like level one on they're getting this huge pile of hit points healing that they can just give out. Right. And the fighter has a little bit of that where they a battle master can take a rally and roll a hit die and give some you know hit points to a friend. But oh, then okay. who cares about that if you got a paladin? Right. You know, so that becomes they also, meaningless. It doesn't action surge I don't play fighters, so does action surge give you temporary hit points second wind is that. second wind yes okay. Okay. so again yeah so who cares if you got a paladin right it doesn't matter mm -hmm. and then paladins also have to be really high in charisma so they automatically are probably going to be the face of the party yeah. so you don't really need a rogue or a bard if you've mm -hmm. got a paladin so i don't know i it's not rational and i and i i couldn't find any i, I actually did my research on this one and looked online to see if there's anybody that agreed with me and there aren't nobody does. I couldn't find a single. Couldn't find a single. You tried to find a sympathizer. <laughs> yes. Um, tried to get some confirmation here from my feelings. So I'm I'm alone on this one. Okay. Um, well, you know they're and they cast. So you've got right. You know high AC can smash things up, and you can cast and you can heal. Yeah. Like, come on, quit being so quit being so greedy. So okay, I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm I'm not really against the class paladin, but I'm with you on the all the powers that they have. That is undeniable. Um, and so I always look at like, so what's the sacrifice? Like, what do they have to sacrifice to have all of that? 
And quite frankly, I don't really have an answer other than this, is that they have to be lawful good. And in, in every time, so I've, I've played with Paladins since edition one and through all the years, I will say I've always thought, and I've never, I've never played a Paladin, quite frankly, because I never wanted to play a lawful good character. And so sometimes I feel like the lawful good is the handicap because yeah. there are times that the party is in a situation where, look, Paladin, if you're going to divine smite, that's a, that's a good aligned monster creature person, but just because they don't like, you don't like what they're doing. And, and so, and so as the DM, sometimes I feel like I have, I've always had to put a paladin in check and remind them of that, which can be sort of uncomfortable at the table sometimes, or, or, um, years ago, I, I told a paladin, I said, you can't do that because you're lawful good. Now, you you know, here's where you can tag me in, in, uh, feedback because I shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, because of the overpoweredness of that class, I'm like, they keep doing all this stuff, but I don't feel that there's any sacrifice to it. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in saying that. Maybe there shouldn't be. Maybe the solution, in hindsight, 2020, maybe the solution is, as DM, if they go against alignment, then the spells start short-circuiting or something. And somewhere that was in, alignment isn't necessarily, isn't nearly as important in fifth edition as it has been in the past. Right. And there would be things where, where you could punish a paladin for going against their alignment. And I don't recall what those rules are. I'd have to do a little research through some of the books. I want to say it was in second edition that those punishments came through, but maybe it was earlier than that. I, there also used to be another class called the Cavalier, which I always saw to be somewhat similar to to the paladin, hmm. but didn't have, I don't think it, it didn't have the limitation of alignment. And I don't think it's cast spells, but again, that's another one without preparing for this. I, I don't recall. Cause it was, again, I think that might've come through the unearthed arcana in first edition, the cavalier came through or maybe it was second edition. But, uh, but I, I always thought that the cavalier and the paladin were very similar in nature. Okay. All right. I think well, it's, I think it's fair. All right, flame me if you must. <laughs> Burning hands. But we'll go ahead and go on. Anything else that you don't like? Uh, yeah, well, sure. There's <laughs> there's several things. We'll do mine and then take a break because okay. I need to yes. I need to take a deep breath. <laughs> but um, th- another thing that frustrates me about this, and this is more, this is not gameplay. This is how things have been put together and released over time, and that is how there there are things a character thing there's so many things across so many books yes and my example of that is sometimes i have a spell on my list and i'm like i don't know where that spell came from and i'm looking through the right. players and i'm looking through uh xanathar's and maybe it was something some you know and there's that and backgrounds is the one that's really frustrating cuz almost yeah. every single book has backgrounds and so yeah. is that salt marsh is it a uh, magic based book is it you know what book did this come from i would love to see them come out with some sort of a D index yes <laughs> which would be i mean yes. i don't know i don't know how much i'd want to pay for that but boy would it save time on, see, in the big run in and the long run i say you, you stole one of mine on the list that is exactly oh. where i was going to i i don't know yeah you all you wish you wish you had the equivalent of a greatest hits or something, you know, yeah. or even if wizards, if you're listening, 
maybe there's a way to increase profits even more if you have the authority the authoritative spell booklet oh sure. the authoritative background booklet yeah you, you know put all those in one place for us mm-hmm. and, i like that and you've got us on the hook we're already going to buy all this stuff anyway so um <laughs> it's this would be very convenient to have yeah i think and i guess D D beyond does that but i think you have to buy all the books on you do there mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. so so i guess I, I guess they have done that it's just in a different format sure yeah i just i don't know i just and and don't get me wrong i love all of the additions it's just really hard to keep up with them all and i yeah. and i hope the solution isn't well we're going to make sixth edition yeah here's the player's handbook dungeon master's guide and monster manual with everything in there and i'm like oh man I, but i'm sure it's coming i have no doubt i mean there are rumors out there about it it's just a it's just an error of growth in my opinion and and it's it frustrates me, but at the same time, I wouldn't, don't think I'd want it any other way. I appreciate the creativity yeah. and, and the way they are sort of demonstrating what they want us to do with the game is build it, sure. expand it. Right. But yes, there needs to be someone with a more <laughs> linear thought process in the background to take all that stuff and put it put in, it one, in together. one place for us. Yep. So, all right, well, sh- I, I need I need to take a drink. So let's, let's take a break. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, we're back on dangerous ground talking about things. Well, I shouldn't say we. Things I hate about D&D, uh, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Yes. And much. just because it is, there's there's so much there, obviously, not every single thing is going to resonate with every single person. Right. So... That being said, I am going to take a deep breath and offend a whole bunch more people. Let's do it. You ready? Well, you don't have to say let's. You can just say go ahead. Do it. Hang yourself. <laughs> All right. I do not like Dragonborn. Oh, let's just, we're going to, okay. So that's that's my last one as well. So <laughs> let's, we can we can go on this. And again, uh, I have, this is what's really bad is I am DMing right now for a new player <laughs> who's playing a dragonborn paladin. So Of course. So Of course. Steve, if you're listening. Good job. This is nothing on you. This is nothing on you. These are my hang ups. I am working through issues <laughs> as we speak. So oh, um you were So doing what's a, so what's your beef? Because uh, I've got some. I just I just think you should fight dragons and not play them. I, I, it's honestly, well, the breath weapon at level one bothers me a little bit. There's your two D six. Yes. That, that seems a little bit OP and I know you don't get it at will that it has to recharge or whatever, but still, um, I suppose it's balanced with some other, I mean, I love playing Tritons and they get fog cloud right away, just no matter what. Yeah. So that's a little unfair, I suppose. But, um, honestly, it's just irrational on my part, I have no, uh, ultimately no rational reason for this other than it's just not a, a class that, or a, a race that resonates with me for some reason. I don't know why. Okay, because I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I don't have 
like I can't point to something in here and say this is why. I mean, the breath weapon is irritating to me, but again, you know, there there's some classes that do have, like you said, the trite, and I think the drow gets. Uh, do they get darkness inherently, or is that the maybe that's just NPCs in the books? do. Okay, I... so but I just I struggle with walking down the streets of Waterdeep, and you know, you see dwarves. And you see elves and half elves and humans, and you might see uh, you know all the other races, but then there's a dragon guy, and it just it just doesn't I don't know it kind of makes me squirmy uh, as the kids today would say it's cringy, it just <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me either, um, and so someone might say okay Dan so you don't like the dragonborn what do you feel about the turtle? Or some of these new races that come out of the wild uh, deep, like playing a, a fairy dragon or something like that. So, like, because I've got an answer for it, but I'm curious as to what's what's your thought on some of those. What do we call these creature races? I think is what is what they what could be is? called. It's you know honestly, it is. I think this speaks mostly to this reveals way about more about me than it does the actual design of D and D. Essentially, I. I'm sort of a less is more person. These races expand to the point, you know, it's playable that, that it gets a, too chaotic for my taste. Mm-hmm. But again, that's to emphasize, I think one of the beauties, the flip side, one of the beauties of D&D to each his own. Yes. That, yeah. that they want us to have all these options. And then at your table, you can, as a group, agree, okay, we're going to limit just to just for our sanity right. these are the races we're going to choose from i mean really sometimes i sometimes i struggle to picture the group yes. at the table and ra- racially like how you know sometimes i forget that ricks is a tiefling yes and i'm like but a tiefling would have certain types of biases when you go play all of all of our characters would have certain biases wherever we go and I think that's important. I I personally think that's important to build into a game to see how our players I and think, characters react to each other. Again, and I think so. And, and again, that getting on dangerous territory here, that's not to suggest those things are good and admirable, but no, just no. as a reflection of reality yes. that, that that's how people react. Mm-hmm. If they see something that's way out of the ordinary, average folk will struggle with that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, in a way that, that adds a whole interesting layer to, to, to the role play and to the, mm-hmm. the adventures. And, and we've, we've had that and it's been, you know, uh, again, in, in, we haven't really talked about these games that we've played, but as I played a Triton yeah. that you're, you know, that you're running, that a lot of the NPCs and even the fellow player characters, I mean, mm-hmm. he's just fish man and he's, yep. you know, he has to overcome yeah. some biases and things and it it makes it real world and you know I think sure. it's I think there's a great deal of use to that so it's 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 a tough topic to discuss yeah but I I just I I feel like from the game perspective you you do start to it things get diluted if there's too much variety yeah. I feel like and right. you can't appreciate it anymore so Here's okay, so here's where the irrational part comes from my side on dragonborns. I don't particularly care for them as as um, player characters. 
However, there's some places where I'm like, a non-player Dragonborn carefully placed is kind of cool. I built in a shopkeeper in the Waterdeep group, and I can't wait till we get to start breaking down our Waterdeep uh, campaign, which yeah. isn't too far off. That'll be in 2020, uh, 2022, I'm sure. But, but when I picture the shop owner as a Dragonborn, that brings some like, I feel there's wisdom there and in the things that they offer. So I don't know. I mean, that's where it's irrational. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense that I don't mind it there, but I don't want it as a player character. It just, I don't know, for some reason, and it's, and it's more the like, so it kind of goes back to the joke. So an elf and a human and a dragonborn walk into the bar. It, <laughs> it just didn't, it's one of these things doesn't seem to fit. Yeah. And it's the dragonborn. And I'm just I'm just trying to picture, like, so can a dragonborn sit in a normal chair built for a human? I mean, how does a dragonborn fit into those situations play-wise? Yeah. Here's yeah. another exception I make with dragonborn. And this is this is where I go with, like, tortles and some of these other, like, creature races. Like the Feywild brings out, you can play a, a rabbit race and things like that. Again... I guess inherently I'm not opposed to that. It, it, it increases it increases creativity and things like that. But I feel like you kind of need to have a non-traditional campaign to play non-traditional characters. Yeah. And so if it was a if it was a if it was a party of Dragonborn, and together they face these things in in some sort of a unified way, that makes sense to me you know, the turtles, if, if you have some sort of, you know, so turtle is a waterborne creature. So if, if a turtle is with the Triton and other waterborne races that are all player characters and they have this unified story that they're telling, I think that's really cool and sort of unique. And as a DM, it challenges me because I have to come up with like cool ways to do that. And same thing with the Feywild characters. But when you have just these like wild parties of like, I've got a human with a turtle and, and the hair race and a dragonborn, like, what do I, as a DM, what do I do with that? I think, you know, and you say that and it kind of brings out that that's a, a, a type of game that you and I have not played. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, it, that doesn't, I mean, in a way I'm like, oh, okay, you say it that way. And I all of a sudden get, if you want to have LSD psychedelic mm -hmm. dreamscape adventure, that's perfect. Which I guess Feywild is kind of. I was like gonna that. say that's how I yeah. picture Feywild. Yeah. So Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Kind of feel. Yes. And so that's where those would be so strong. I think. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So actually, as I think about it, I'm I'm so this is as I said, open therapy session. Very <laughs> very vulnerable here, showing my shortcomings as a a player in a DM. The things like the the biases yeah. that sort of get in the way. But as we talk through, I'm like, oh no, okay, I can see. Yeah. how these things work and can be very effective. Mm -hmm. Set Paladins, yeah. I'll never give up on that one. Yep. <laughs> okay, we'll work on that one. But um, yeah, I think this has been this has been a really good conversation. In fact, I will say on on air here that this is kind of how I when we when we brainstormed this podcast, this was the kind of conversations that we were having. Um, at lunch or right. just in, you know, in, in, you know, at the water cooler at work. And this is kind of what I pictured is, is this kind of conversation. So we want you to be a part of the conversation as well. Yes. Um, please give Especially us. Especially you, Steve. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> I didn't right. offend you. That's right, Steve. Uh, <laughs> chime in, please. I, because I am curious as to like, how do you, how do you use the Dragonborn 
Um, and do you just use them as a regular character? Because that's all I've that's all I've been able to imagine it as. But do your characters do special things to include a dragonborn into the campaign and make them fit in, or other you know creature races like the turtle and uh, others like that? Um, same thing with the other things we talked about. You know the healing and uh, the paladin. You know, is there some sacrifice that you make paladins have to be able to have that? All of those powerful abilities. And, uh, and maybe I'm way off base in yeah, saying that. Yeah, show us where the know. vulnerabilities are that we're missing. Yeah, and, and, and maybe there shouldn't be. And so we'd love to have your feedback on all of that. And we've loved all of your feedback all along, by the way. Thank you so much. We've got, we had a couple of items of feedback the last week of people that just say that, you know, this is the go-to on Tuesdays for them. And, man, that makes me feel so good. Yes. Um, and and one, yeah. of, one of them that, we, that I read was uh, not even a D&D player. And you just oh. like the, the banter and learning about something new in the fantasy world of D&D. Let us know. Uh, if Are we a go-to for you on Tuesday mornings when you get in the car and you head off to work? Is Teaches in the Dungeon something you turn on? Let us know. We'd love to have that feedback. Or any day of the week. It's okay if it's not. Tuesday. It doesn't have to be Tuesday, <laughs> right? Or if there's something you'd like us to talk about. I know our friend Chris Metz asked us to talk about that graph that has recently come out on social media about is level... Is, is advancing levels through levels, what, three through six, killing D&D because most adventures die yes. in that time. I think we'll talk about that, but I know that that's something that Chris Metz like reached out to us. or something in there that it really, it, yes. Yeah, and so um, if you want us to address that, because I definitely feel that there is, there's truth to that uh, graph. Yes. Um, and yeah, maybe there's some things that we as DMs can do to help us get through that. And I believe that maybe there's something that Wizards has done that we just underutilize. Uh, right. So we can have that conversation. But anything, let us know. If there's something you want us to fix, you're tired of our jingle and you want something new, Dan, get busy over there. Start that's making some my, more music. That's my plan over break. Is <laughs> I've already got, there's one, in, there's one in my head already, a new one. All righty. Uh, so I'll toss it back to you to wrap up, Dan. But hey, it's been good talking to everybody. Yes. Uh, well, I actually didn't plan how to wrap up. I think you did just a good job. So I'll say yes, we will uh, see you soon back in the dungeon. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.